Always. Yeah. All right. Let's bring this meeting to order. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QACTV7. This media broadcast provides county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public sessions. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our website at qac.org live or on our television channel, BreezeLine Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens can also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to qac.org slash public comment. And citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. Comments received will be summarized during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge your participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired Press and public comment will be taken and it's limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, please sign the sheet on the information table in our lobby. Comments longer than three minutes and can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Folks, if we could please remain standing for a moment of silence to extend our thoughts and prayers to the Centerville police officer who passed this week and his family. Thank you. Okay, that brings us to uh, today's agenda. So our agenda for today's meeting, May 23rd, along with the regular minutes, the closed session minutes, and the sanitary commission minutes from our May 9th meeting have all been circulated for review. Uh, do we have any additions and or corrections? Do we want to do closed session results first? I'll do that, I'll do that next. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, I want to make a motion uh, to amend the agenda to include one additional uh, proclamation as a desk item. Second. We have a motion second, any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. Make a motion to accept the agenda as amended and all meetings as submitted. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. All right. We just held a closed session under the General Provisions Article Section 3305B1 to discuss boards and commissions and Article 3305B3 to discuss land acquisition. So I believe we have a few appointments that we wish to announce for boards and commissions. Um, first up, we had the Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board. I move to appoint Randy Hutton to fill the vacancy on the Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board. This term will expire June 30th, 2028. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay, next up we have the Bay Bridge Airport Advisory Committee. I move to reappoint Jason Jarvie and John Friel and add Mr. Paul White to fill the vacancies on the Bay Bridge Airport Advisory Committee. These terms will expire on June 30th of 2026. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this topic? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 
Okay, and the third board we have is the Property Tax Assessment Appeals Board. I move to recommend to the State of Maryland that Mark Cashier be reappointed to the Property Tax Assessment Appeals Board. This term would expire June 1st, 2028. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion here? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, now, relative to the land acquisition, we do have a purchase agreement from Kent Island Self Storage uh, available for uh, consideration today. This is for uh, 0.545 tenths of an acre, so just over half of an acre for $50,000. And this will be part of the extension of the South Island Trail uh, across uh, from Mowbray Park up towards the uh, Target Shopping Center. I move to execute the purchase contract agreement with Kent Island Self Storage LLC in the amount of $50,000 for the South Island Trail Extension. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? <clears throat> so moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. That's all we had under the closed session uh, topics. Uh, we can move into press and public comment, uh, part one. So I'll read this statement. Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners. Comments or yeah. yeah, no one signed up, no okay. one online, but we did have an email. Nice. All right. Ready? Sure. Yep. We can, we can uh, this comes from Marilyn Schuler. I just want to commend whoever is responsible for enhancing Ken Island. What a pleasure to bike over the small bridge at the Narrows and see all the plantings that have replaced the growth on the slope leading down to the parking area. And then there's the clearing out at Mattapique Park up above the beach so that those who can't make it down there to the water can take in the gorgeous view. It was hidden by undergrowth for years, but now, ta-da. The setting along the trail in the Love Point Park as a reminder of opioids isn't brand new, but it is another lovely spot, and there are probably others I haven't noticed yet. Thanks to all those who brought this about. It's uplifting to see all this beauty and know that our county cares. You're welcome. All right. Excellent. Did you send that? I, did you? <laughs> I, I think Commissioner Moran sent that <laughs> under a pen. That's right. Yeah. They got a pen name or whatever. Dear Jim. I'm not that smart. <laughs> yes, Commissioner Moran. <laughs> was, she, was she alluding to that that's a place for opioids? Did I misunderstand that? No, she said she liked it. It was the flowers and the plants. That's all. The orchids. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right, commissioners, we're right on schedule. Uh, our first presenter is here, so I would like to introduce and welcome Ms. Catherine Dilley, the executive director of the Midshore Behavioral Health. She is here with uh, a colleague of hers, so come on up. You can introduce your Hello. colleague and uh, proceed with your presentation. Uh, the presentation sections are under tab six, item I. Do we have a, a visual for this one or no? Okay, that's fine. It's no, that's fine. We have it in. Emailed the presentation, just the packet of information. Okay, that's yeah. fine. Well, we did get that. I have that. Packets in your book. Um, yeah, we don't have any. That's fine. Okay. Well, uh, good evening and thank you for having us. My name is Katie Dilley and I have the pleasure of serving as the Executive Director at Mitchell Behavioral Health. And with me this evening, Sarah Fagan. I'm a Behavioral Health Coordinator for Children, Adolescents and Young Adults at Mitchell. And Sarah um, is also responsible for Queen Anne's County as her primary county of responsibility. Very good. As part of her role. So, 
Um, I will start with just some overview and highlights from the year of the organization as a whole, and Sarah will close us out today with just some Queen Anne's County specific updates. Um, we also are hoping this evening that you will, will consider endorsing Midshipper Behavioral Health to continue, continue to serve as your core service agency in fiscal year 24. So I know I've included in the packet today the um, letter of agreement. So we appreciate your endorsement and support in the coming year. Uh, we also are excited to finally get back on track with presenting in front of you during the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, the last couple of years with COVID threw the schedule off, so here we are back on track, um, and we're grateful for that. Um, so the mission at Mitchell Behavioral Health is to continually improve the provision of behavioral health services for the residents of Caroline, Dorchester, Kent, Queen Anne's, and Talbot counties through effective coordination of care and collaboration with our consumers, their natural support systems, our provider networks, and our community members at large. The vision of Midshore Behavioral Health is a rural behavioral health care delivery system that is both clinically and, clinically and culturally competent. The system will ensure access, have a community focus, be cost effective, and be integrated to serve the community as a whole. So a couple of highlights, I know we've offered several in the packet this evening just to bring to your awareness um, from this past year. Um, I know we have been reporting out on this since um, fiscal year 2021, but Mitchell Behavioral Health in collaboration with our five health departments here in the region who serve in the local addiction authority capacity have been intentionally working and planning um, around the behavioral health needs of the community as a combined group that we refer to as the Midshore Planning Collaborative um, in a formal fashion since 2021. That is in an effort to continually move towards uh, potentially a regional local behavioral health authority structure. Um, and that's something that we are planning with our local addiction authority leadership as well as the health officers in the region. So I know that Dr. Ciotola and Edwin Gibbs are um, very active in, in that planning process. And we're hoping in the next couple of years, especially now with under um, our new uh, administration, there might be some more momentum around what that structure will look like. Um, so we will be happy to come back and present on that in more detail if we make any formal agreements to move forward with that. Um, we have been working uh, ever since the closure of Upper Shore to build our crisis system on the Eastern Shore. Uh, this past year, we have added a new layer of that service to support our child and adolescent population in a more intentional fashion through the mobile response and stabilization services component that our crisis vendor, affiliated Sante Group, has provided to the region. Uh, Queen Anne's County is one of the first counties that rolled out formally with this program. Um, and they actually, I think, are at capacity currently and with a waiting list serving families here in the community. Um, both Kent and Queen Anne's counties, I believe, have a full caseload mm -hmm. at this yep. point. And this is uh, in, in collaboration with our schools as well as Department of Social Services. Um, trying to help get ahead of the crisis or the need for the youth, um, but working with the whole family unit. Um, and it's not just um, in response to an incident, it's really to um, get ahead of the behavioral health needs of 
these children. So it's been very successful. We're working with the Behavioral Health Administration to secure funding um, to provide this service in all nine of the counties on the Eastern Shore. Um, and we're hoping to be able to add a couple on in this coming fiscal year um, down on the Lower Shore. Uh, we have continued to uh, secure and procure funding for the state opioid response grant, which serves um, and provides a lot of additional funds um, in the region to particularly support our individuals facing um, opioid misuse as well as stimulant misuse. Um, the federal government added that as a um, allowable population to receive funding through this grant. So. One of the most notable resources that we've um, supported through this grant are the um, 12 crisis beds up at the AF Witsit Center in Chestertown to support individuals that are in need of crisis substance use services. Um, so since they're grant-based, it does not um, require anyone um, to provide insurance information. It's open to the general public um, regardless of your um, insurance type, which has been a great resource and we continue to um, hope to see that grow um, and be supported through future grant funding. Um, we are anticipating rolling out two new suicide prevention initiatives in the region in FY24. One will be particularly um, focused on um, working with uh, addressing firearms and gun safety um, with working with our law enforcement and first responder population as well as any individual in the community that receives a mobile crisis response will have, if they identify that there's a firearm in the home, we will be leaving behind um, gun locks for those uh, crisis calls um, as an incentive to hopefully um, provide a safer environment in the home and keep any firearms secure in the households. Um, we also will be adding this component into our crisis intervention uh, team training with law enforcement, providing uh, gun locks at those trainings as well to be distributed with um, our law enforcement officers when they do um, any leave behind or response to a household. So could you elaborate a little bit more in detail about sure. that particular program? Like, for an example, so we're hoping with grant dollars, we'll be purchasing a substantial amount of gun locks that okay. go into the um, trigger area of the gun. Um, and there's studies that have shown that the um, delayed response or need to un, you know, unsecure the firearm can actually be a moment in time when someone who's contemplating using a gun to end their life may have a moment to take a pause and reflect um, and it's also just to keep the firearms more secure in households that have at-risk individuals. Okay, so how do we identify who is going to receive the gun locks? Well, we're going to be providing the gun locks to our crisis responders. Okay. So individuals that have mobile crisis come to their home okay. or are um, received wherever they are in the community, if they identify that they have a firearm in the household, that is something that will be left behind as a okay. complementary um, part of the visit. So I don't think we have EMTs to pay for them. mainly. No, we're not. Right. You know, we have a grant secured to pay for. Oh, I was going to say, I think you can get oh, them no, free without any oh, grant no, money. No, 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 no. This is all part of a grant initiative that we've secured. Yeah, I'm just saying, like manufacturers will give them away if you get a hold of different Ruger things like that. They actually give them out. Well, that's good to know. Um, but this is just one one new incentive that we're trying to roll out. That's awesome. 
yeah. So we're also going to be um, providing some of those for our law enforcement officers as well to have to leave behind, including EMTs and. Well, we have to. We're starting small to try to identify the reach, and then we're going to have to secure some more funding. So EMTs would also be a group that we're happy to entertain. Um, I think our primary focus is with uh, our, our CIT trained law enforcement officers to be an avenue to distribute those and then our crisis provider, at least that's for this first wave of it. Um, an additional suicide prevention initiative that we're working on is where we've identified a um, partner in the region that's willing to start a mid-shore suicide prevention coalition. Um, there's a very active lower shore coalition. Um, unfortunately, we haven't had one. Um, and we're going to be working with that provider to bring up that group in this, this fiscal year, and then hopefully that will be sustained in the future. And that's very small grant dollars attached to it. It's more just um, a, a sort of a at will and a, an advocacy and um, you know a passion project for this organization. So we're looking forward to supporting that as well. Uh, Jack and I, Commissioner and I, went to a uh, Chamber of Commerce mixer mm -hmm. last year. At the year. college. And no, it was um, it was uh, at the Narrows, and a gentleman who started a suicide prevention organization approached approached me. Mm -hmm. I have his information. I'll share it with sure. you. Sure, that'd be great. We're actually we have a couple of our partners in the Lower Shore that have been successful with rolling out their coalition that are going to be providing some technical assistance to us too so any information you have would be appreciated another question on it you know we talk about the gun locks and all and obviously one of the other leading causes of suicide is overdoses of some type do, I've never heard do they have a medical prescription lockbox that parents could mm -hmm. have oh yeah because I've never heard of them giving those out lockbox we have lockboxes that we do give out those okay. are already something that we've provided to the community um, and have, have been you, proven. Have you guys ever heard that, of that's that? actually an interesting point. Are asking about those? It's I mean, not like Walmart sells those, mm -hmm. you know, so I didn't even know. They do have them. Where do you well, go? I mean, Where? We have an, there's an online vendor that we've used before to order them. Um, and a lot of the coalitions in the region have provided them. Um, you can, we can purchase them. We've had them on our tabling events and so forth. And the health departments also have purchased them as part of their prevention initiatives. So for the sake of those that are watching a mom that's got, you know, mm -hmm. concerns, who would they reach out to? They can that? call us. And your number is? 410-770-4801. Uh, Thank you. Yes. We're always happy to help. Are you familiar with them, Jim? Through the GFC, do they, do they push anything out like that? With no. The drug-free coalition? Yeah. They're aware of them. Right. Um, I don't know if they, I know the health department has lock boxes that they've pushed out in the community and we're working with them um, to, um, I know there's an initiative around um, opioid um, and overdose intervention kits being put in businesses that have had incidents. That's something they're going to be rolling out. But having the naloxone there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's that's an initiative that the local drug and alcohol abuse council and the drug free coalition have been working together on. So we're excited about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know several of you have been very active and involved with uh, efforts out of our behavioral health coalition here on the eastern shore in particular the advocacy that we've done for the last several years for the sustainability of the af witsit center and i just want to express our gratitude for your support in that process 
and look forward to our continued strategic planning in the future on what we can do to support that facility and perhaps um, extension of services located there. So just want to take some time to thank you all for that support. Uh, one thing that um, I know I've reported out on a couple times in previous meetings is we do support out of Mitchell Behavioral Health the um, Bay Bridge Partnership, which um, I've shared with you a couple of times um, in most recent fiscal years, but we have a coalition in, in the state um, that started in August of 2020, just looking at how we can address suicide incidents on the bridge. Um, so there are leadership from both Queen Anne's County and Anne Arundel County, as well as the state and the uh, Maryland Department of Transportation Authority, um, law enforcement, um, Behavioral Health Administration, our um, supporters through our Veterans Network, NAMI, um, several groups that have been added on to the partnership over the years and we're working with our crisis vendor on the Eastern Shore as well as Anne Arundel County to develop a protocol that will be available to support any response to an incident on the bridge. So we're hoping to be able to roll that out in the next fiscal year, which has been great. And I know that the Queen Anne's County um, law enforcement officers have been absolutely amazing to work with and in collaboration with Anne Arundel um, and state police. Um, anytime those incidents occur, there's been a lot of cross communication and connection that's happened. So we've seen good results with at least opening up lines of communication. So, so um, this protocol, is it being written? So it's, it, it's not completed yet or? It's not completed. Okay. No. So it's uh, all the players are yes, bringing in ideas. To that. Some yeah. of the challenges that they face and how those challenges can be addressed. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what's been really neat about the partnership in the bridge is that the bridge really has been a resource to inform how crisis services should be structured across the state, not just in one jurisdiction. So we're really using it as a, an opportunity to look at where our gaps and services are um, and just establishing open lines of correspondence has been extremely beneficial, um, especially a lot of times individuals that find themselves on the bridge don't live in Queen Anne's County or the Eastern Shore or Anne Arundel. I mean, they're coming from other places, sadly. Um, so looking at how we can make sure that those individuals and their families and support networks are supported in their own jurisdictions has been a nice thing to look at as well. So we're not just addressing it at the time that it's happening. We're following cases um, and families and support parties um, after the fact as well. We were highlighted, this, this relationship and partnership was actually highlighted in um, a Washington Post article on September 18th of 2022, and I'm happy to provide the link if you all are interested in, in reading more about it. It got quite a bit of attention just around the ingenuity of, of partners in the state looking at how we can support folks in crisis. So, um, Has there ever been any research on putting nets? Yes, there's a lot of research. And what's the hesitation i think the biggest problem is the honestly Patrick, it's infrastructure my, it's, and, and no that's the construction that goes on there daily it would be such a, a it'd be prohibitive for them they have to move them every day with the way they get on right i mean and that's right structural right. discussions have come up a lot um just in terms it. of you know the telephones on the bridge and signage on the bridge and so all those conversations have 
happened, um, and unfortunately it's bigger than someone at my office to make those decisions on what needs to happen, but it is an area to look at. Um, the netting has been successful in other areas, but I don't necessarily know if it's that a one-size-fits-all fix. Um, we're really looking at how we can get upstream um, and trying to create better systems and community response so folks don't end up in that situation. But of course, there are bridges in Philadelphia and New York that have concave mm -hmm. fences, mm -hmm. so they oh. literally cannot crawl up it. Right. The problem with that, I understand, is maintenance. Mm -hmm. So it would have to be able to be moved relatively quickly. Right. And you know, I, I think it's an area that I I don't personally have the influence around, but sure. I think it's worth. Um, a conversation and if any of you are ever interested in sitting in and listening on one of our partnership calls I'd be happy to invite you um, and just lastly you know like with any systems management responsibility we had a large provider in our region close this year um, Eastern Shore Psychological Services closed their doors on September 9th 2022 um, they were a vendor that provided services to about 2200 individuals here on the Eastern Shore, which is substantial. Close? Several reasons. Um, I think there were just concerns around sustainability as an organization. Really? Uh-huh. So, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of factors that played into mm -hmm. um, their ability just to maintain operations. Wow. So, for funding purposes? For, for funding? Yes. Primarily, yes. Um, so, very unfortunate. Um, but that is something that when any provider transitions of any size, but of course that size, it falls in our lap to help transition um, and make sure that the closure follows the regulatory expectations in COMAR, but it's also our responsibility to find those clients, new service homes, as well as the employees that were working for that organization. And so, it was not just our organization, it was sort of an all hands on deck, nine counties, all health officers, all local behavioral health authority project um, to help support that transition. And, and that was a, a private sector business that was? Yeah, they're a for-profit private organization. Did they just, rem did they completely go out of business? Mm -hmm. or they completely closed. Okay. All of them. Mm. So, um, and they were a provider for over 20 years on the shore. So it's an extreme loss. Um, I will say to the compliment of our network that we have, mm -hmm. they stepped up beyond what we would have ever expected them to, to absorb clients and grow and bring on clinicians moving out of that organization. And we have one or two very large groups that have established services on the Western shore that have since um, started to take up shop in the locations that Eastern Shore Psychological Services were in. So uh, the primary location um, in the Midshore is in Easton. Their headquarters have been out of Salisbury. Um, but we've seen some new, new faces come to the table that are willing to be integrated providers looking at medication-assisted treatment. Another population that was served by that organization was our sex offender population, which is can be complicated to find a adequate provider home for. So there's an organization that's considering taking that population on as well. So we're relieved for that, but it, as you can imagine, when anything like that comes up, it really disrupts 
the services. And if you're someone who's been <coughs> served by the same organization for several years, it's a it's can be having to make that change. Having to make the change is very can be borderline almost traumatic just yeah, to have to yeah, move yeah, away yeah. from who imagine. has kept you mm -hmm. stable for so mm -hmm. long. So. Um, the work is good, we're busy, we're growing, there's a lot of opportunity um, on the horizon with some new funding coming, so we might be back here before too long just to talk to you about that, um, <laughs> but we appreciate the opportunity to give you our annual highlights. And now I will let Sarah share some Queen Anne specific things before we close. Alrighty, so, um, so Midshore Behavioral Health continues to support Crossroads Community. Uh, in their Healthy Transitions program, which is now on year five of the SAMHSA grant. The program serves uh, youth between the ages 16 and 25 who have a serious mental health condition. And uh, the program provides this, the transitional age youth with programming like supported employment, supported education, social skills, et cetera. Um, and then this, Katie already sort of talked about the mobile crisis, um, but this explains it a little bit more. So the affiliated Sante group has expanded the Mobile Crisis Stabilization Services, or MRSS, and um, Queen Anne's and Kent were the one of the first, and they're pretty much full. Um, but this, this, um, this service provides a dedicated team out of the Centerville office, specifically serving youth and their families in responding to crisis and providing stabilization tools as they work with the family for eight weeks. So um, the team that comes out to these calls is a clinician and a family peer support person. And the goal is to intervene before the crisis to break the cycle of the crisis with the youth and provide tools to stabilize the youth and the families. And at minimum, they, they stay in contact for eight weeks. Hmm. Okay. Weekly. Oh, it might be more. That one's yeah, more. This program's more. Yeah. The stabilization one, because we still we have mobile crisis. I don't know what the the actual term is for the other one, but that's weekly, I think. The child and adolescent one. There's like a another. No, the mo this this program is a multiple encounters during the week. Okay. That's part of the fidelity model. It's a requirement for them to have multiple visits. And then. Um, Katie, MSBH Executive Director, serves as Queen Anne's County Local Management Board Treasurer from 2019 until the present. And Queen Anne's County Local Management Board was also awarded an additional $10,000 for their transportation voucher program. Um, so that was awesome. Um, Midshore also works closely in collaboration with Queen Anne's County Local Addiction Authority leadership with planning and monitoring behavioral health providers and system needs in the county. And then last Thursday, um, Charlie Appelstein provided uh, a training at Chesapeake College. It's called No Such Thing as a Bad Kid Training, and it was an awesome turnout. And it was presented by Kent, Queen Anne's, Talbot, Caroline, Dorchester, Cecil County, and Mature Behavioral Health. And we also serve on your Opioid Fatality Review Board. Uh, and then in July, I'll be moving into the chair role for the LMB, which I think Mike Clark already had shared that with you all. Hmm. Okay. And just a couple of statistics of individuals served in our public behavioral health system here in the county. So the total number of mental health consumers served in fiscal year 22 was 1,422. And then the total number of substance abuse disorder consumers served in fiscal year 22 was 723 in Queen Anne's County. That's all we have today. Um, 
going to make a motion to sign the <coughs> core service agency letter of agreement with the Mitchell Behavioral Health for the fiscal year 2024. Have Commissioner Moran sign. Second. A motion second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Can I ask two questions before you leave? So for, for the folks that are watching that might have the might need some information. If, if mom or dad takes their adolescent to the emergency room because they're concerned of self-harm, et cetera, does the case manager, the head nurse, the ER doctor, do they let them know of your program? That, that's kind Grayson, of what's going to be my question. How do we? Graysonville or, or uh, Chestertown or, or Easton, do they know? We definitely it? provide our information. In, in the, and typically, if you're presenting in one of the shore regional institutions, you will be seen by a member of their behavioral health response team, which is very aware of our organization. Um, in addition to providing midterm behavioral health contact information, they most likely are also giving out the Eastern Shore Crisis Response information, which is our affiliated Sante group provider for the region um, and their hotline number. So the case manager gives that or the social worker? I don't work for the hospital, but when I did work in a hospital as a social worker, a clinical social worker, typically it would be someone like myself. Ideally, case managers and nurses and social workers would be doing the same, but the BERT team who would be responsible for assessing that individual. Okay. Um, if they're showing up in the emergency department with a behavioral health need or as suicidal, um, one of those team members is going to be responsible to make contact with that family and that child before they leave the hospital. So that's technically probably the most, um, I, that would be the point of contact that would be providing those resources. but. On any given day, I can't assure you that it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, so we don't have we don't have full control over how that goes, but we certainly provide our materials to the hospital, and they're very aware. I mean, we meet with the hospital on a routine basis to talk about complex individuals that have arrived on an emergency petition, um, and we help kind of staff those cases and follow them and help do resource navigation. Mm. Um, but it's not a perfect system. Unfortunately, Amy, you be, but you do work well with the law enforcement here in the county. Oh, absolutely. For those petitions, I mean they're right. They're right well, on and it. law enforcement has a very strong relationship with our crisis provider, um, who we oversee. We're the um, grantor of the crisis funding on the shore. Um, so we and we work with affiliated Sante very closely, and they meet with us um, every other week to talk about cases mm -hmm. and any developments um, that need to be. Kind of elevated to a more mm -hmm. um, integrated, complex case management approach. Yeah. But um, we certainly hope that, I mean, like I said, uh, that BERT team is critical. Uh, and they are the responsible party for providing resources in the hospital. Very good. I mean, you had another question? You said you had two questions. Stabilization program. It does does that go hand? So it, they, it, if they're if they're in a PHP program or an IOP, does the stabilization program or is it parallel with those programs or is it after? 
I think it depends on the, the individual. Um, they could probably get involved and then get them engaged in PHP. Um, I'm thinking more PRP, not PHP, because we don't have a PHP program, which is a partial hospitalization program in the midshore. Which mid is part of the problem. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. so we don't have work. PHPs in the midshore. Um, well, Jim's but we have, we have <laughs> PRP programs, which are primarily for our adult population, um, but programs like Healthy Transitions um, and our wraparound services through Wraparound Maryland, who provide 1915I services, which is like a very enhanced case management model. All those referrals are happening out of the mobile response and stabilization services. That's their responsibility to engage them if they're not. But PHP we don't have. Maybe someday. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> Any other questions? We really appreciate you. Oh, sure. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And Very always good. happy to come back, but we might be asking to come back before <laughs> before next year just Who to keep, keep you informed. So thank you. Please. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Thank you very much. Sure. And this proclamation will take place on June 13th. Teacher of the Year. Oh, really? Had to be moved. Because? Because she is attending the Kenan High School varsity lacrosse game as we speak. That's how committed and dedicated and she is to teach. And they're going to win, right? I hope so. That's the plan. <clears throat> hope so. Okay. All right, Commissioners, we can move into new business next. Um, we have um, 13 action items and one desktop item tonight so uh, if you want to turn to tab number three we can get started with those uh, first we have the um, the annual draft CTP letter I believe is first up this is the annual letter we send to the um, secretary of MDOT uh, outlining our priorities for the Maryland consolidated transportation plan for the coming year uh, this is very similar to uh, earlier years and um, our public facility planner uh, Steve Cahoon is here in the audience so he can maybe come up and answer any questions about this but um, I'll provide an overview of the this year's version of our letter. Sure. Um, as uh, Todd had mentioned it's very similar to past years um, the priorities remain the same uh, transportation planning it takes many many years to get things in place um, so our generally our letters have remained the same over the last 10 years our number one top priority is dealing with Bay Bridge congestion um, and continuing to um, have the NEPA study moving forward uh, which it is um, they're in tier two of the NEPA process now they're about eight months into that process and there's about another three years to go um, in that process but the NEPA process is an essential step to any future Bay crossing or adding any additional capacity um, that's been our top priority for many years and continues to be the top priority this year this is the one going into Dorchester County you're talking about <laughs> I will make a motion but I'd like to interject the word insanity in here because <laughs> isn't that the definition doing the same thing over and over again with the same result because that's about what this is every year sadly eight years these are still the same things that were on here eight years ago save for the fact that we're trying to get the at-grade intersections fixed can we add 405? I move to approve and execute the 2023 priority letter to the Maryland Department of Transportation. I think it's in there. Right? Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? 
appreciate everything you do. All well, I appreciate you, Steve. I just don't yeah. like the state. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I get what you're saying. Yeah. That's out of our control. But uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? <clears throat> so moved. Thank you. We'll send it off. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, Steve. Okay. Item two on pages uh, six, seven, and eight. This is our uh, noxious weed uh, cooperative agreement. This is our annual agreement between um, Maryland Department of Agriculture for the control and eradication of noxious weeds here in Queen Anne's County, primarily on uh, public rights of ways. I move to execute the cooperative agreement with the Maryland Department of Agriculture for the control and eradication of noxious weeds. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Just a quick question, really. Um, so how do we, how, how do you go about, where, how do we identify these in, how do we prioritize them, I guess, would be the question, Todd. I mean, in terms of where we do it. Um, well, no, I know what they are, but, like, do we... Fragmite. concentrate on certain areas each year when we're doing this or we just go where we get a call and say hey this is horrible like fragment is horrible Johnson grants horrible or how do we, we, do we get reports we have a weed control coordinator he's assigned a, a vehicle and equipment and he you know he goes out and finds the you know areas that's reported to us in the public rights of ways also we work cooperatively cooperatively with state highway if they have uh, noxious weeds in their rights of ways and we get a fee they pay us for the for the eradication and spraying of those. Um, so there's real no investigative process into where we're having no, a, no. a lot of issues. Is, is that something that the See state has thought about? See something, say something. Well, I'm just saying, is that something the state has thought about or even talked about over the years? It's like we know, kind of, we go back to the same spots every year. And it's like could, eradication means you got rid of it, and apparently we're not doing that because we keep going back to the same spots, right? I couldn't tell. Well, you I, I'm sure it also has a lot to do with when you can actually cut them down because if, if they've gone to seed, the last thing you want to do is cut them down. Is all that's going to do is spread the seed. I don't think so there's cut a them, time spray frame them, right? in the year. Oh, I get which it. Is best but I think we're smart enough here to. We should be able to figure that out. We got a lot of scientists and Hopkins and things like that around here. That we could. I think we do pretty well in the county rights of ways and the state rights of ways. It's the private properties we don't. And that's we and don't then, manage that. And in the critical areas, and yeah. the critical areas and all that's where you hear. I get yeah. people asking me, "Hey, why don't you guys take care of these weeds in my backyard?" It's like, but it's in the critical area, that kind of thing. So I'm wondering how far the state extends itself into those. I mean, if they call. That's more specifically Phragmites. And, correct. Yeah. Correct, yeah. yeah. But if, if they called, mm -hmm. if a homeowner was to call, would they call the county DPW to try to yes. report it? Yes. Okay. They would call the county public works. It's uh, centered in public works now, The uh, our weed control coordinator okay. office, yes. Mm hmm. Mm. Wow. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we're voting to move to execute the cooperative agreement with the Maryland Department of Agriculture for the control of eradication of noxious weeds. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? <clears throat> so moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, item three on pages nine and ten is the stormwater pond maintenance tree removal contract for the Kent Island High School. And this is a uh, contract sealed proposals were received for uh, this stormwater pond maintenance. It involves removing the woody, the woody vegetation, woody vegetation and trees within the surrounding stormwater ponds in front of the uh, high school. We received uh, looks like seven, six bids ranging from seventy-eight thousand nine hundred up to two hundred and sixty-eight thousand four hundred and forty dollars. And uh, I believe staff is recommending Integrity Tree uh, Service, uh, who submitted the lowest responsible and responsive local vendor bid. Good Lord. So we're going we're gonna to remove all the trees around that uh, pond out by the entrance of the Canal High School? 
but both sides up to the ball both field. Sides, yeah. Both sides. Yeah. Uh, and this is part of the MS4 program, so Lee, Lee can give you a little more detail it's about the project. It's just like a matter of fact, I think we, we cleared everything out of that pond. That's right? totally different looking now. Yeah, that's right. With, with Mattapeak, we did. The, the original plan was just to remove them from immediately in and around the ponds, but we received such positive feedback with regard to the appearance of that parcel and everything that we extended the removal of the trees further, further out toward Route 8 and such. For the Ken Island site, we're looking at just inside the pond and on the, the banks to, so as to preserve the integrity of the, of the pond banks, the outfall structures, and with, within about 20 feet perimeter of the pond. So that'll provide uh, adequate maintenance access going forward. So are you gonna, everything will be gone inside the, the fence? Yes, inside the fence and about 20 feet out. That'll All provide. out to the trail. The, everything yeah, the trail those. that goes yeah. between the, the pond and the baseball right. outfield. Mm -hmm. Yep. All gone. Now, is that a stormwater pond? It is a stormwater it, pond. I mean, but it, it, it seems like it's always a capacity, so stormwater in, stormwater out. Or no, that's not the case. I mean, there's no, there's no percolation there. There's no, it's not... Stream. No, that one's designed as a wet pond, so it's it, okay. it, it provides water quality by having that you know standing water. There's a certain freeboard, so it does provide some qual some quantity control. Okay. But the the standing ponding water is there to provide the water quality element. Is that all the heavy metal sink to the bottom. It's just yeah, <laughs> something like that. Something okay. like that. Yeah. Right. All right. Okay. Well, and we'll like make a motion here, and we'll can uh, can the community take some of the wood. What's that? Can some of the folks living down there take some of the wood if they want it? Take some trees? of the water? Wood. Oh, some wood. of the, the wood. Uh, we structured the, uh, the bid so as to... The tree uh, company keeps it. Make, make it. That's right. That's your responsibility. Take, take it out. Yep. And that, that's part of the price. There's a contractor. They own it. Yeah, there's not, there are not many huge, huge trees in there, is there? <laughs> look like 15 They're 20 years not tremendously old that's it's yeah. about right yeah right. really hasn't been touched in about 15 20 years mm -hmm. so that that's what we're looking at okay. i move to award the stormwater pond maintenance tree removal at ken island high school contract to integrity tree services llc of queenstown maryland in the amount of seventy-eight thousand nine hundred dollars and authorize the director of public works to issue the notice of award and execute the contract on behalf of the county commissioners. Second. So there's a huge disparity between integrity tree service and economy. Yes. Like, wow. Right, there is. So uh, as is in many cases, if we have a significant spread, we'll reach out to some of the bidders to understand why. First and foremost, we always reach out to the low bidder and say, hey, are you, are you, you comfortable sure. with your price, right? Um, in Integrity Tree, they, they are local, as you can see here in Queenstown. Um, the fellow indicated that uh, he's very excited about this project and he priced it accordingly. He has some availability right now and it aligns very closely with his schedule and our schedule trying to get this work done while school oh, okay. is out of session. So he priced this very competitively because he has a need to fill his calendar at this time and I believe he'd right. like to have some experience with the county. Right. Uh, economy tree uh, and and in fairness he did, did tell us ahead of time when he attended the pre-bid meeting that he's extremely busy right now okay. and the, the note was that you know 
submit a bid, but you know, with the anticipation he wouldn't be getting it, but to put something out there and, and his price reflects his availability. Okay. Are they taking the stumps out as best they can? They, they will be doing some where they're around structures. The remainders of the, of the, the, the stumps will remain. Mm. Well, it would be like uh, a stadium where the San Francisco Giants play baseball. No. Sometimes they hit the ball out over the fence the water. and into the, into the bay. Yeah, they'll be hitting them into the pond. You'll be out there in your raft? In my kayak, kayak. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right, good. Yeah. We're doing this for you, Phil. You know that. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Because I can assure you there'll be some folks that'll be upset that we cut the trees around the pond. Mm -hmm. That's true. It's going to open it up. All right. Well, All any other discussion? Excuse me? <laughs> Nothing. Any other comments? Excuse me. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you. Thank you, commissioners. <clears throat> Thank you, Lee. Hey, uh, thank you for your help with the um, with the burn. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. Michael. Did that, that turned out all right? Oh, as we speak, it should go out about 7 o'clock. Okay. Well, Started Sunday, and it's been, it's been smoldering for two days. So, but that's what they wanted. So I appreciate your help with that. Oh, absolutely. Thank as you. As always. Thank you all. All right, commissioners, our next item, item four, is the Bay Bridge Run 2023 MOU with the Maryland uh, Transit Administration, uh, MDTA, and we have this uh, negotiated with Corrigan Sports Enterprises to facilitate the 2023 Bay Bridge Run on November 12th, 2023. So uh, last year we had over 16,000 runners, and we hope to improve upon that this year. So um, that's here for your consideration. Heather... Tanelli is here. She um, was working with Corrigan Sports and uh, MDTA to facilitate this agreement going forward. I move that we approve and sign the MOU between MDTA and the Queen Anne's County <coughs> that will allow Queen Anne's County to facilitate the Bay Bridge Run event on November 12, 2023. And I have uh, on good information. Second. second. I have it on good information that there will be more runners <laughs> this year already. Yep. That means you're running? Oh, no. Uh, not, not plus last year's plus one. <laughs> no, I mean a lot more than they had last year. Good. Yeah, the race director had a chance to talk to him very good. last week. Okay. And so they're very happy with the numbers. Heather, you want to come up and uh, share any intel you have? She, she could, you could say, no, I don't want to, but. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> oh, you're you're oh you're at a gag order. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Uh, so the the bri the bridge race, as Todd mentioned, is November twelfth, uh, twenty twenty three. Last year they had sixteen thousand participants. They're expecting close to twenty thousand. Our emergency services leads up the whole thing, and they put a lot of time and effort into that um, and meet. And I know Beth attends as well. They have monthly. Uh, meetings leading up to to make sure that they c collaborate with the western shore and the eastern shore uh, we also meet with corrigan on a regular basis to try to drive participants to stay in our hotels and eat at our restaurants mm -hmm. and spend lots of money so last year we put out some additional marketing dollars to do just that but our, it, it is our goal to try to get them to stay the downside is is it falls the same weekend as the um, waterfowl festival 
in so, Easton? Yes, but that's completely out of Corrigan's hands. They really have to look at what works best for the bridge. Bridge. Yeah. I think yeah. it's going to. I think it's going to be working. They complement each other. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. early. You in know, the you morning, go to the Waterfowl done. Festival yeah. Friday and Saturday, and then you do the bridge walk on Sunday. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I mean, the traffic last year. I can't speak to that too much because I was there you know, working the event, but it does seem to clear out in time. So for those that are at the Waterfowl Festival mm -hmm. and, and headed back home, it doesn't seem to really affect the traffic. Um, but we're, we're excited about it. I mean, you, you think that's a significant event, and then we have the Bay Bridge um, Boat Show, which is also a significant event. So those are our two big events that we have here, and we need to work really hard, meaning me, to make sure that people stay here eat here spend their money here and then come back again next year and mm -hmm. do that. that's really it i had to share Eight thousand runners yeah. mm -hmm. that's good yeah. yeah it's been a very successful event we've yeah. done a great i mean believe it or not we've started the safety meetings already so it's, okay. it's logistically it's a very challenging event and and our uh, emergency services staff and and heather and her team do a great job at uh, facilitating who's, that and get, who's getting catering people to this come year in that vip tent I don't want to see no brown bags. Todd, Todd did mention that to them, that they need to step up their game when it comes to that. Because we'd like to see more local vendors, so we try to work on that side it's as well. It almost puts us back where we were before. Yeah, yeah. We were when, Iron Man, had, when Iron Man had it. Well, no, before that. The yeah. biggest one was when uh, Sparrow and them had it. We yeah. had 21,000 that one year, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, to get back up next year, maybe we'll. Well, and I think part of that was too. You know, it, it it died a slow death when the bridge was actually running it, and it was that wasn't a race. It was so much as just the bridge walk. The bridge walk. And then when it went away because of the, it wasn't cost effective, and, and was reborn in the private sector, people were just ecstatic to be able to. Mm -hmm. It's a great event. There's no doubt. It's great to see it return as quickly as it did because we were because of COVID and then bridge construction. So there's a few years we didn't yeah. have it. We have a new operator who's very strong um, as far as our organization. Um, so it's going to be a great year. I think Margie's going to go ahead and fund the VIP tent out of her budget. <laughs> we, we, should, we should not have to do that for sure. <laughs> not with, not, not with what she just spent this last oh. two weeks. No. <laughs> uh, poor Margie. I mean, you know, repainting in, in here and, you know. All right, so this is uh, executing the memorandum of understanding. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. As always, thank you, Heather. Yes, thank, yes, you. thank you, Heather. Thank you. <laughs> All right, commissioners, now we can move into our uh, series of budget amendments. So perhaps our uh, director of budget and finance, Nicole Heffer, would come up here for a few of these. Uh, so item five is the first one, uh, page 19. Budget Amendment CC 47, this is for the Detention Center, and this, this amendment actually removes budget authority in the amount of $2.5 million from the project uh, for that facility. This is uh, to recognize grant funding that was never received back in FY20 for that project. Move to uh, approve Budget Amendment CC 47. Second. So we thought we were getting some sort of match, matching funds, so we had to put our money in. I mean, I guess I'm a little confused because we're removing it. Is that what it was? Each, it was each year we, we put forth a budget for uh, construction dollars based on, you know, where we are in the process, and then the state matches that Correct. with 50%. So we don't get the state grant money until such time as we get the project started. We actually have to spend their money after we spend all the county money first on the okay. construction phase. So um, it's just something that was budgeted. It was put in the capital plan. It wasn't realized, so we, we didn't lose any grant money. We just haven't received it, so we don't recognize it in the 
in the budget so in the at budget. this time. Where does the, the $2.5 million go? In that little dark closet somewhere? It's still over there in the state coffers, and they'll state they'll pro they'll provide it when oh, when the time oh, comes. State's yeah. money first. For yeah, not for the no, state. No, we saw it ours. Ours, ours first, first, and then the state. Was this money. our money or their money? No, that was the state's money. Placeholder for state, state money. money Place. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Very yeah. good. It's just yeah. In that little yeah. grant funding. That's right. For yeah. yeah. And okay. we we had a meeting with uh, budget management and uh, corrections, state corrections, you know, about our you know our um, our plan to go to EPRU. So they're supportive of that. They agreed that they're still going to be the funding will be there for us when we're ready to do that. So that's kind of unfolding as we speak now, as far as moving the site to the to the uh, EPRU site. So very they're very supportive of that and, and intrigued by the the regional concept as well. All righty. So this is a motion to approve CC 47. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, budget amendment CC 48. This is for the uh, South Kent Island sewer project. Uh, this is for the second phase of phase two, which is for the step tanks um, down there in Tower Gardens. And we just have to increase the budget authority to, to provide for the, that phase of the project. And this is, you know, through state loans and then recouped through the uh, special benefit assessment. Move to approve budget amendment CC48 with no additional county dollars required. Second. Motion is second. Any discussions? No county funds, right? No county funds. Yes, that's correct. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, budget Amendment CC49 is from the Sheriff's Office. This is for a Governor's Office of Crime Control and Prevention grant for police recruitment and retention program funding. No additional county funds. Motion to approve Budget Amendment CC49 with no additional county funding. Second. I have a motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. <clears throat> Thank you, Commissioners. I see Heather's still here for these next two. Uh, this uh, budget amendment CC51 is for the economic development training, and this is to transfer um, funds from the re revolving loan fund that were transferred to the grants fund back over to the EDIF of $240,000 for the EDIF uh, program in the future. I move to approve budget amendment CC51 with no additional county funding required. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this topic? You guys know what this one is, right? This is the one we approved to go to the college that we never used. Right. Yeah. Okay, seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. And budget amendment CC52 is the revolving loan fund. And this was the request to transfer the available balance of $472,272 in the revolving loan fund to the Economic Development Incentive Fund to be used for grants and loans to outside businesses. I move to approve Budget Amendment CC-52. Second. With no additional county funds being needed. Second. This was the second. Any discussion here? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. So just a point of order, what are we up to now? What does that get our total to? That, we, what, have million? you been doing the math? What, what are you up to now? $12,842,000. That's six, and there's about six plus or minus, and there's $190,000 in there now, so we just need about $230,000 to get us to a million dollars. Okay. We're almost there. <laughs> Which is in the budget. 
which is in the FY24 proposed. You know, if that VIP tent's good, you might get to that million dollars. <laughs> I'm thinking a little seafood, Come a little on. Italian. Yeah, taste of the shore there. Come on. <laughs> Oh, seafood. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, the next one is um, uh, item number 10 on page 24 is budget amendment CC 53. This is for the Fire and EMS Commission, and this uh, establishes additional budget authority for the low SAP and life insurance expense for that uh, program. Move to approve budget amendment CC 53. Second. Motion is second. Any discussion here? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, this next one is uh, Budget Amendment CC 54 for the Roads uh, Department on pages 29, excuse me, 25 through 29. And this is to reclassify budget authority for the Roads Department from the general fund to a new separate fund uh, for the Roads Board. This is how it used to be set up back when we had uh, exclusively uh, used highway user revenues for the roads budget. Uh, we put it over in general fund when that dropped off and now our, um, our accountants are saying that and our uh, auditors are saying we really need to keep that in a separate fund like it used to be. So um, Cole can maybe explain a little bit more detail if you like, but that's essentially what we're doing. We're just putting the roads division back in a separate fund like right. sanitary right. district this is so. a compliance issue right because we were not compliant prior right right we did um submitted a budget amendment for fy22 when we were closing out the year and that was approved right. um and then it just took us some time so this is for fy23 and then in 24 it's set up correctly in a separate fund um so this would be the last budget amendment for this issue that you would see right and the hurs go right to them it would go yeah. to the special revenue fund set up for roads right. yes okay who wants to make a motion? I move to approve budget amendment CC 54. Second. <laughs> Sorry. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, item number 12 on page 30 is budget amendment CC 55 for the commissioner's office. And this budget amendment establishes additional budget authority in the commissioner's office to cover office supplies, expenses, meetings, conferences, and salaries, uh, and benefits due to the transfer of a position from uh, the community affairs over to the commissioner's office. I move to approve budget amendment CC 55, which has no net effect on the budget. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? <laughs> it's Any discussion? It's the new person, Jim. I've already asked a question. Okay. We're just transferring somebody over, so. Okay. So nobody wants to ask any questions. The other. Um, <laughs> You're the only one that's going to be I can point something so. out if you want more information. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's the only one. I'm going to be homeless again to come Ocean City, Mako. I got that feeling, huh, Margie? <laughs> oh, Jim, your room you wasn't thought, ready. Did you want a you room? the dumpster oh, was bad. Why do you see what you get this year? I'm going to get a new picture on the door with the dumpster. Yeah. It won't even be a dumpster, Jim. You won't even have a dumpster. He's now. staying at the Flamingo Motel. <laughs> Their dumpster. It's way worse than the Dunes dumpster. All right. Well, we're we're going to vote on CC 55. 55. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Thank you, uh, Miss Halk over there, for helping with that budget amendment. <clears throat> 
All right, uh, our last budget amendment is uh, CC56. Uh, this is for the Sheriff's Office Port Security Grant, and this uh, amendment adds grant revenue along with corresponding expenditures in relation to the Port Security Grant, which is for uh, federal securities, uh, awarded to the Sheriff's Office in the amount of $18,830. I'm gonna motion to approve budget amendment CC56 with no additional county funds requested. I will second that. But I just want to know which port we're guarding. What part? What port we're guarding? Well, I, I mean, think I'm that's sure just, it doesn't I think mean that's that, just but it's the, just the name of the grant. The Greek. port, our, our big port up there at uh, Ferry Point, is yeah. that the one? Or? Well, the one with all the supply. <laughs> when all the supplies come. Port, in. Port Kent Narrows. Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't, no. Okay. I think of port Authority. I'm thinking Baltimore City. That port, you know, it's a big port. But okay. We'll bring the cranes in. Why not? So you had a motion and you had yeah, a second. Yeah, you've got to go ahead and vote on that one. All in favor? I don't know. Port security, okay. All right, all those in favor of uh, CC56 signifies saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. So moved. Our port is secure. Our Finally. Thank God. Lands in. You can Thank tell we're almost you. at the end of the budget process because yeah. and we didn't have any, we're uh, getting a little silly. Well, you waited a long time, right? Not to say anything. All right, we wanna, thank you. That's all the budget. We have one desk item, a proclamation, if we can. Yeah. We're building safety month. No, we're wait, that's the teacher of the year. We're waiting on that. No, one. no, building safety month. Oh, 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 Jack Scott. Yeah, we have proclamation 2331 for uh, May is building safety Building month. safety, right. Building safety month. That was a desktop item. Yeah, it was uh, unanimously voted that Jack would read this proclamation because he is in the construction industry. Yeah. Mm. Proclamation 2331, whereas Queen Anne's County is committed to recognizing that our growth and strength depends on the safety and essential roles, a role our homes, buildings, and infrastructure play both in everyday life and when disasters strike. And whereas our confidence in the resilience of these buildings that make up our community is achieved through the devotion of vigilant guardians, building safety and fire prevention officials, architects, engineers, builders, tradespeople, design professionals, laborers, plumbers, and others, and electricians in the construction industry, to work year-round to ensure the safe construction of buildings. And whereas these guardians are dedicated professionals who are experts in the building environment to create and implement the highest quality codes to protect us in the buildings where we live, learn, work, and play. And whereas these modern building codes include safeguards to protect the public from hazards such as hurricanes, snowstorms, tornadoes, floods, and earthquakes. And whereas Building Safety Month is a way to recognize our dedicated professionals and remind the public about the critical role of these dedicated protectors of public safety, our local code officials, who assure us of safe, sustainable, and affordable buildings that are essential to our prosperity. And whereas it starts with you, in quotes, the theme for Building Safety Month 2023 encourages all of us to raise awareness about building safety on a personal, local, and global scale. And whereas in observance of Building Safety Month, we want to acknowledge the essential service provided to all by these dedicated individuals in protecting lives and property. And now, therefore, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County do hereby proclaim the month of May 2023 as Building Safety Month in Queen Anne's County and encourage our citizens to join us as we celebrate Building Safety Month. Signed your Queen Anne's County commissioners. Very okay. well. I read it wrong. Okay. Okay. That is all of the action items we had tonight, Commissioners. Thank you very much. We do have one piece of legislation. If you want to flip over to tab seven, um, like, this uh, is the citizen-sponsored text amendment uh, number 23-02 for bonus provisions in the WVC, the Waterfront Village Center District. It was uh, sponsored by Jamal's of Kent Narrows, LLC. And this would be for introduction and the scheduling of a public hearing. I'll introduce it. Okay. Mr. Dumanel, thank you. 
All right, so uh, that is all we have uh, for action. We can do press and public comments, roundtable, and we have the constant yield hearing for the proposed FY 2024 budget scheduled for 7 p.m. I say we knock out roundtable. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, let's, you want to do roundtable? Do you have anybody for press and public? Yeah. Oh, we do? We have yeah. one person uh, waiting for in Zoom, uh, Gina. If you could please unmute and then you can ask your question or make your comment. Gina, you are live. Hi guys, how are we doing? Uh, good, good. Could you please introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is Gina. And just want to make sure uh, I had a question on uh, the action with the Hand Island uh, storm storm pond maintenance. Just wanted to make sure that the three companies that are awarded this bid would be Maryland licensed tree experts. We don't I believe that's questions. a priority or requirement of the request for proposal. I'd have to uh, proper licensing. Yeah, I, I'd have to go back and look at the bid specifications, but I'm sure that they're qualified to do the work. Uh, and it's, it was an open bid opportunity for anybody that was uh, licensed and qualified to do those, uh, those serve, provide those services. Well, I believe that it wasn't a requirement on the bid documents for Maryland LT, even though it's required by Maryland law and the DNR. We'll have to get, we'll have to. You, you, I, your best bet is to contact the county administrator or the director of public works. Uh, we don't do questions and answers at, uh, at the public comment public section. Comment, so we, and not to mention, we don't know. So that's a good question. Uh, I would suggest you mm -hmm. follow that up tomorrow with a call to public works or the county administrator. Awesome. I will uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. Anybody else? That's all I have. All right, we'll, we'll do round table. We're going to go uh, backwards now. We're going to go four. Uh, Chris. Yeah. All right. Big man. Um, congratulations to the graduates for next week, right? I think it's the high school graduation. So congratulations to all of the uh, county graduates. If you uh, if you dream big, you know, as a county graduate, look look where I am now, right? The, That's right. High, the height of power. Is this I'm assuming? telling you. No helicopter, dude. <laughs> So, yeah. Some people actually achieve yeah. things. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, um, we appointed someone to the architecture, the Agricultural Preservation Advisory Board today. We had two spaces um, and only one person who applied. But we have hundreds of people who complain about the lack of preservation of land and the growth in the county. And they have lots of time to go on social media about that and not the time to apply. So just for those of you who care about it, if you really want to make a difference, we'll be re-advertising for this vacant space. Put your name in there, get on a committee, and do something instead of bitching, because that's just not how things get done. Those who actually take Step the time up. to do something, that's how things get done in this county. There are lots of opportunities. So put your name in there instead of just complaining. It, it's frustrating because 
We have this with lots of committees that we have where we have to rerun the advertisements, not just for this one, but for other ones because people aren't applying. And for a lot of these, you can appear to the meetings by Zoom. They're only like quarterly. They're not a huge thing. And then people say, oh, the commissioners never listen. We don't have an opportunity for a voice to be heard. But yet when the opportunities are there, people don't do anything to take advantage of it. Get active. There, there is opportunities for you. And so that's my, uh, my soapbox because that's, I, we should have dozens of people applying for the Preservation Advisory Award, and we didn't. So that's it. Thank you. Congratulations, graduates, by the way. You can apply also. Mr. Phil. Yeah, three comes after four. Um, In reverse, it does. Yeah. So I, came, I had an opportunity to attend two events since all of us had met before. One of them um, was the uh, plastic-free Queen Anne's County um, celebration mixer, I guess we would call it, um, and the success of our, our shrink wrap um, recycling program that took place. And um, there was a lot of folks, you know, that attended the event and we were able to really, you know, it's a feather in the cap of plastic-free Queen Anne's County and really pushing this program. I want to thank my fellow commissioners again for making the financial commitment to purchase the bags that really helped launch this program. Um, so you guys you know, played a, a key part in that. Um, and we're hoping that we're going to get more participation from, from other um, marinas next year. I know a lot of people don't think about where that plastic goes uh, in the springtime when the, the boats get splashed. And so without programs like this, it ends up in our, in our landfills, and we certainly don't want that. Uh, and then I also attended um, the um, field day the uh, at Graceville Elementary School that was put on by Living the Edge Foundation, or Giving the Edge Foundation. Ooh, giving it. I'm going to get in trouble now that I said Living. <laughs> giving the Edge Foundation uh, goes to different um, schools uh, here in our district and with volunteers, kids that volunteer most of them from our high schools, and they have these field day activities at our elementary schools. So I got to attend the one at Graysonville. It was a, a great turnout. The kids had a ball, um, and it was just exciting. I, all three of my kids went to Graceville Elementary School and I brought back some fond memories of the field days that they would have there. But kudos to um, uh, uh, Bobby Woolley and his crew over there at Giving the Edge um, it, and, and their efforts to, to step up and, and, and make these programs hap happen. And then, of course, if we could all just say a silent prayer and good luck for our Ken Island High School men's lacrosse team who is playing for the state championship and the first face-off will be at 8 o'clock tonight. Ooh. Where are they playing? Stevenson University. Mm. Not sure who they're playing, but anyway. Good. Go Bucks. Yep. All righty. Patrick, anything? Oh, he's got a list. So, uh, busy week, or busy last week. We, um, we lost a great man at the Queenstown Volunteer Fire Department, mm -hmm. uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Lewis. Uh, who's been there for 50 years wow. and his wife and his children Jamie and uh, Jeff are carrying the mantle after their dad and uh, I'm just so impressed with not just Queenstown but all of our volunteer fire departments and I know you guys are too and I know Phil you talk a lot about it but it was um, it was a sad it was a sad event but at the same time He's in a better place with our Lord, and um, 
it was just good to see a lot of fire fire folks come out in support and um, to your point about yesterday was a rough day for the Centerville fire or police department as we lost a, a hero uh, police officer and um, just keep keep his family in your thoughts and prayers on Sunday I went to the uh, Fisher Manor reopening of the library which is under the housing authority and uh, Commissioner Billups spoke and they've done an incredible job at the in this library they had to remove mold and by the way it was it was kind of spearheaded by the rotary and some of the folks there and some of the folks in the housing authority but there's a a, a company on Kent Island that donated four computers mm -hmm. and the librarians went in and and cleaned out the books and it's really quite quite impressive what the rotary's done under leadership of Jim and Brad Lundenberg so um, and what's amazing as Doug Bishop told me is uh, Mr. Fisher who was around um, in the 40, 30s 40s 50s he donated the land for the Fisher Manor and there were like 12 families from the Fisher uh, family that were there oh. and his daughter was there to accept the plaque well, um, uh, uh, Mr. Bishop re, uh, told us that Mr. Uh, Fisher was uh, the fir one of the first African-American uh, folks to run for public office in Queen Anne's, and he was a Republican. Mm -hmm. ah. And I reminded him that Jackie Robinson was a Republican, <laughs> and Harriet Tubman, and uh, Frederick Douglass. So we have a proud tradition of the Republican Party in Queen Anne's County. And way to go for the graduates, and uh, that's great about the lacrosse team. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Go lacrosse. Go. Hopefully we wake up tomorrow morning, but stay champions. Yeah. Awesome. Jack? Um, well, you guys really touched on a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. much yeah, there. Yeah. Not a lot of meat on that phone. Um, no, I, obviously it's that time of the year. Um, we just read our proclamation last night for boating safety, so I encourage everybody with Memorial Day weekend coming up, the long weekend, and a lot of people going to be out on the water. Probably starting tomorrow for the Blue Angels flying for the, uh, the Naval Academy graduation. So everybody encourage you to uh, heed the boater safety. Um, <clears throat> go a little easy on the alcohol till you get to shore, uh, but have fun uh, over the holiday weekend. And again, uh, Queen Anne's County, Kent Island, I'll be there next, uh, what's it, Wednesday, Thursday, I think, for the graduation. Uh, haven't missed one except in the COVID year where they decided to put them both on the same day. So looking forward to that. Um, I will officially watch the last uh, Smith walk across the stage, which that's an accomplishment. Uh, yeah. To see all six of them graduate, that's, yep. you know you've been around a while. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, good luck to our graduates. You know, we, we do produce a lot of kids. We have a great graduation rate here. We've got a great school system. Um, once again, supporting them this year budgetarily. So hopefully have the same results next year. Awesome. Yep. Yep, I'll well, keep it short and sweet. Just wish everybody a happy... Uh, Memorial Day, and uh, to all of those veterans out there, thank you, and be safe. I mean, it is the beginning of the summer season, and last two days ago, we had a little bit of taste of the traffic, and, and uh, don't get caught up in the madness. Uh, you'll get there. Uh, be patient, because there's a lot of people that don't live in Queen Anne's County that are on these roads, and they're not so patient. So stay safe. So on that note, Thank you, Jim Moran, for your service to the United States Marine Corps. All right. Um,
We have to adjourn recess. or we just have to? Right. Just take a recess. Yep. Well, all right. We, just... we will be 10, 12 minute recess. Bring it to order and forget. There we go. All right, we're going to bring this meeting back to order. All right, commissioners. Um, next on the agenda this evening is the annual constant yield uh, FY24 budget uh, proposal and uh, presentation. So first, we um, we identify this as the constant yield hearing, and this this public hearing for May 23rd tonight at 7 p.m. is established for the purpose of receiving public comments on the constant yield tax rate. The county intends to maintain its current tax rate of 83 cents per $100 of assessed value instead of the constant yield rate of 81.2 cents per $100 of assessed value. This will result in $1,578,473 of increased real property tax revenues. Accordingly, the uh, respective legal advertisements have been placed in the newspaper of record in the county and the county commissioners intend to set the tax rate and adopt the FY24 budget on June the 13th in the county commissioner's hearing room right here, 107 North Liberty Street at approximately 6.45 p.m. Okay. So I have a short presentation. Um, this is very similar to last evening's presentation. This is our Queen Anne's County Commissioner's FY24 proposed budget. So we will run through this and then we can open it up for uh, public comment. Okay, so some uh, the introduction to the FY24 budget uh, is to commissioners wish to continue to provide sound financial management and deliver responsible public services to our residents. Uh, our budget reflects the uh, recommendations from our spending affordability committee, which include compliance with our policies on debt management, maintenance of a healthy rainy day and re revenue stabilization fund, use of our fund balance and PAYGO funds to, to reduce proposed capital debt, and our budget is uh, consistent with our AAA bond rating, which we are very proud of. Uh, here are two statements from two of the rating agencies that we visit. Uh, the first one from S&P Global Ratings. Uh, Queen Anne's County demonstrates resilience with our overall credit profile, supported by an active, forward-looking financial management environment, and by Fitch. Our AA rating reflects strong revenue growth, manageable expenditure growth, and demonstrates uh, an ability to reduce expenditures during economic hard times. And I will mention too that we have the highest bond rating of any Eastern Shore County currently at uh, AAA. So a few highlights, uh, our tax rates will remain the same in FY, are proposed to remain the same in FY24. As I mentioned earlier, we are proposing an 83 cent per $100 of assessed value for the property tax rate. The income tax rate will be uh, also remain constant at 3.2%. Our budgeted growth from uh, FY23, uh, FY23 we had $171.4 million budget. FY24 is coming in at 183.6 million. Our revenue stream uh, is derived from income tax and property tax, which is make, makes up 80, 88% of our total county revenue sources. Our income tax revenue is projected to grow by 16.7% from FY23, and our property tax revenue is projected to grow by 5.6% over FY23. Uh, I mentioned the constant yield statement earlier, but the constant yield rate represents the real property tax rate for the upcoming year that will generate the same amount of revenue that was generated in the current year in FY23. So as assessments increase, the constant yield tax rate decreases. 
Uh, FY24 constant yield rate again is 81.2 cents, 81.2 cents per hundred dollars of assessed value, and the constant yield rate is slightly lower than the current tax rate as proposed at 83 cents. The current tax rate results in a revenue which is 1.5. A million more than the constant yield rate would otherwise generate. Uh, this next slide shows a graphic representation of the tax rate for property across all of the Maryland uh, counties and Baltimore City. Uh, the yellow bar near the uh, lower end of the scale there is Queen Anne's County. We are the now the third lowest uh, property tax rate in the state. We did lower taxes slightly last year, so we are happy to say we are the third lowest uh, currently in the state of Maryland. Now we'll talk about a few budget highlights. Uh, first, uh, Board of Education. We funded the Board of Education at $4.8 million above the FY23 allocation as prescribed by the blueprint uh, for Maryland, uh, the Kerwin Commission via the state legislation that was passed for, for the uh, blueprint. Uh, the budget also includes funding for employee recruitment and retention actions, cost of living adjustments, and pay for performance. We have funding for a variety of uh, new full-time positions in the county. Uh, this, uh, the theme this year is uh, succession planning and uh, new positions for new services. So we have part-time positions and full-time positions uh, slated for uh, inclusion in this budget for the Department of Emergency Services, the Detention Center, Public Works, our Parks Department, uh, the Roads Division, our Department of Aging, where we're expanding services at the new uh, Active Adult Center and uh, Senior Center YMCA, Animal Services, Information Technology for Cybersecurity, uh, Planning and Zoning, and our Sanitary District, the Water and Sewer Division. We've also included LOSAP funding, which is the retirement program and an allocation increase for our volunteer uh, fire department and service providers at the volunteer fire departments. We have funding uh, forward uh, towards the Economic Development Incentive Program, county in internship opportunities via the human resources through various departments, uh, library enhancement funding, and we've uh, slated $6.4 million in PEGA funding to be put towards our capital projects uh, this coming year. This next slide uh, just shows a uh, graphic representation of our overall total county budget for FY24. As I mentioned earlier, property taxes and income taxes make up the bulk of that, and the, two, the red sector to the, uh, to the left and the blue sector show that uh, property tax and income taxes come in at 44% uh, each, which is the uh, lion's share of our revenue streams. This next slide shows the uh, actual dollar figures for the revenues that we uh, show on the previous pie chart. Uh, leading off at the top there, you can see real and personal property taxes, income taxes uh, lead the way. Midway down, the other big revenues uh, include recordation taxes and transfer taxes. They come in at uh, roughly uh, $10 million uh, total between recordation and transfer taxes. Okay, this next slide is a, a similar pie chart showing how the expenses are allocated uh, by function. Uh, as you can see, the blue sector is the largest sector. That is for education. That comes in at 38%. That's followed by public safety, the purple sector. <coughs> Uh, near the bottom at 6 o'clock, public safety at 11%. Public works uh, comes in at 7%. And then we have a, a group of other agencies, which include the sheriff, the state's attorney, elections, Chesapeake College, uh, coming in at 16% uh, over there at uh, 9 o'clock. 
All right, this next series of slides shows the, um, the uh, numerical values of the budget uh, for the proposed FY24 as shown in the previous uh, pie chart uh, by area. So first, we have the county administration group, which includes the uh, county commissioner's office, the uh, uh, budget and finance, information technology, human resources, to name a few. That comes in at $9.3 million in FY24. Next is uh, community services. Uh, that includes our Department of Aging, Housing and Community Services, and our local management board coming in at uh, just uh, under $4 million, followed by planning and zoning at $2.6 million. Our next group is uh, public safety, which includes our detention center and emergency services. That comes in at uh, just under $21 million for FY24. Followed by Public Works, which is, has a variety of uh, divisions, including animal services, engineering, general services, roads, and solid waste. Uh, that comes in at $13.5 million. Parks and Recreation, uh, which includes the airport and the golf course, comes in at $6.3 million. And then the subtotal for general county government, as we call that, uh, at $56.4 million, which is a 6.7% increase over uh, FY23. All right, the next group on this sheet shows the uh, Board of Education. Uh, the Board of Education is the single largest allocation that we have, uh, $68.885 million, which is about a 7.5% increase over uh, fiscal 23. And here is the listing of all the outside agencies that I mentioned earlier that we, uh, we fund fully or partially, including state's attorney, sheriff's office, orphan's court, uh, our FEC, Chesapeake College, the free library system, Board of Elections, Health Department, Social Services. Then we have a few debt service accounts for the Board of Education. This is broken out by Board of Education and General County Government as well. Uh, this actually is going down uh, by 3.2%, uh, coming in at $12.7 million for FY24. Then we, lastly, we have a few other intergovernmental uh, accounts for insurances, other post-employee benefits, uh, local grants that we provide to um, to various groups and um, contingency funds, and that's uh, $16 million overall, uh, giving us a total general fund budget of $183,565,544, uh, which is a 7.1% uh, increase uh, in the county budget overall. So next we'll talk about a few budget enhancements that we have. First, uh, again, we'll talk about the Board of Education. We funded the Board of Education actually $6 million over the enrollment-based maintenance of effort calculation certification level, uh, yielding a total operating allocation of over, over $9,000 per student. Our volunteer fire companies, we funded them with 688,000 additional for increases in the LOSAP retirement program and voluntary emergency services allocations. Our economic uh, development, uh, group we funded at 324,000 for the economic development incentive fund program for our local businesses and a uh, satellite visitor center at the Queenstown outlets. Our detention center we included 282,000 for additional correctional officers and a chief of operations position for continuation of our succession planning at our detention center. Department of Emergency Services was funded 264000 for three additional positions in administration and special ops, and also an enhancement to uh, transfer a, a part-time fire marshal position to full-time. Uh, 
Our library uh, received uh, $216,000 for merit increases, cost of livings uh, increases, and um, a part-time IT specialist and a part-time facilities clerk or mobile library administrative assistant. Department of Aging, uh, just shy of $100,000 for additional programming related to the Active Adult Center at the YMCA, which is scheduled to be opened October of this year and a variety of smaller enhancements for other departments, including the uh, Animal Services Group, the Chesapeake College, our local extension services, human resources for the internship program, and uh, information technology, parks, sanitary, and soil conservation service positions for uh, succession planning. Now moving into our capital budget highlights, uh, we have um, 53 million overall in the capital budget, which includes uh, money for the detention center renovation and expansion at 12.5 million. And I will say that that project will probably be delayed because we've got another opportunity for a different site uh, north of Centerville on the old uh, former Eastern pre-release camp. So there may be some additional planning and time delay before we actually break ground for that uh, original uh, project uh, to renovate the existing detention center. We have 6.4 million funded for uh, roads capital for our continuation of our systematic replacement and over overlays of roads and parking lots and bridge maintenance throughout the county. Board of Education was funded at 6.4 million for the new central office, which will be constructed over across from the Queen Anne's County High School. The Kent Island High School roof replacement, the uh, current central office uh, uh, building envelope and fire alarm replacement system. Plus, we have an additional $900,000 in non-reoccurring non costs for playground replacements and uh, parking lot resurfacing at the Queen Anne's County High School, which is scheduled for uh, this summer during uh, when school's uh, not in session. Our Parks Department was funded with $3.2 million for the South Island Trail development, additional court work, capital equipment, additional landscaping, public, and a public sewer extension to White Marsh Park. Emergency services was funded with 1.7 million for a new ambulance and a new tower at the Route 5301 Apex in the Queenstown area and radio subscriber replacements and other projects including uh, <coughs> cardiac care. Information technology received uh, 1.9 million in the budget which is funding for IT infrastructure, our continuation of public fiber expansion, the EPR, ERP project which is our accounting system uh, throughout the county and uh, cellular service signal uh, expansion at county facilities and our schools. A few additional budget highlights for our capital plan, historic courthouse across the street here, $1 million for ongoing renovations to uh, house, uh, ultimately house the register of wills and orphans court functions. Our volunteer fire companies, we funded $800,000 for purchase assistance for apparatus and facility construction. The ongoing Southern Kent Island sewer project, phase two, three, and four, 5.4 million, which includes Tower Gardens, Queen Anne's Colony, Kentmore, and Bats Neck. We also have a residential water meter replacement project coming in at 3.5 million. That will systematically replace all of our water meters in the, uh, uh, for our customers on, in Kent Island and Graysonville areas with smart meters. 
Uh, we have a project for a water line extension, the Chester, the Chester West Water Main, which is an extension of a public water line from Castle Marina Road to the Stevensville Shopping Center to provide uh, services there for fire protection and for potable water to that shopping center. And public landings, we have $500,000 in funding for the Thompson Creek bulkhead and fishing pier improvements at both Mattapique and Roman Coke. So we have a variety of funding sources that we use for the capital budget. Um, they're listed across the top of this uh, spreadsheet. Uh, they include PAYGO at $6.4 million, grants at nearly $16 million for various projects, uh, bond funds of $9.5 million, operating funds at $670,000. We are using uh, nearly $12 million in fund balance for the, uh, the capital plan this coming year. And other funding uh, comes in at $9 million, and that's largely loans and uh, special benefit assessments for the uh, Route 8 sewer project that I mentioned for the uh, South Kent Island uh, sewer extension. All right, this last series of slides, um, I'm not going to run through these um, specifically line by line. So this basically is our six-year capital budget for FY24 through FY29. The first column is uh, the, all of the projects that we've funded for all of the various county departments and agencies uh, this coming year, followed by uh, five planning years. This provides us a, a window and a look at the capital planning for the next uh, six years overall for all the county departments. So this is our kind of our roadmap, and these values in the out years do get moved around. They are changed a bit from time to time to reflect uh, uh, cost increases or decreases and timing when the projects are to occur, but uh, all the departments are represented here uh, from property management, animal services, the sheriff's office, emergency services, and this, this is our roadmap um, into the future, planning and zoning, information technology, uh, solid waste, Department of Aging, our recreation uh, department, Board of Education, of course, we have a lot of projects on the horizon for the Board of Education and uh, our parks department, a lot of projects for the parks department, and uh, public landings, our Bay Bridge Airport, and uh, roads division, and lastly, our water and sewer enterprise accounts for uh, public water, public sewer in the uh, service areas. So we're here today. This is um, May 23rd at the Liberty Building. This is our constant yield hearing. We had a hearing last night at Bayside, and we have the uh, third and final budget hearing at the Suttersville Middle School tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. And uh, we have a final budget workshop scheduled for June the 6th if needed. And as I mentioned earlier, we will be uh, uh, adopting the budget on or before June 13th at about uh, 6.45 uh, p.m. right here in this commissioner's hearing room. So that concludes the uh, very high level overview of the budget and uh, we can now receive any public comment. So I'll, Commissioner, you want to read the names or? Excuse me? You want, you want to read the names off? You want me to read them? Whatever you want. Okay, all right. All right, so um, first we have Carolyn Armstrong. So if you want to come up, um, please state your name and where you live, and then you give us your public testimony, and you have, uh, we'll give you three minutes. All right. Um, I'd like to thank you all for your increase in funding from the, for the Queen Anne's County Library. I'm a member of the Board of Trustees of the Library, 
And we have, believe it or not, tons of volunteers of all ages saying they would like to work for us on a volunteer basis. So the programs that we'd like to initiate is a teen volunteer corps. And in this, many, this age of mental health for teens, this would be a good group to get involved in. Um, very meaningful. We also want to reinitiate the, the, the readers who go speaker on wheels uh, to read to daycare centers. And they, I've done that for many years. And the excitement when we come in on our wheels, um, the kids are so, oh, wow, we're going to have fun. So it's a good program for the residents of the community. And also, <clears throat> we have many plans to initiate these things. Um, the Guys Read program with the Queen Anne's County Public Schools, very important. Uh, often in that program, you can get over the hump of what these guys have decided they didn't like reading. And so it helps that way, and it also helps the schools see that they can use our facilities. We would like to have a coordinator for all the programs, the volunteer programs. Uh, you need to have a head and somebody who can coordinate the whole thing, put the uh, volunteers where they're supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so we'd like funding for a full-time volunteer uh, program facilitator. It's uh, very important, I think, to be part of this community in so many ways. And we have expanded with your help. So this will expand us a little bit more. And we appreciate enormously what you've done for us. So this is one little ask, one more little ask, that is full-time volunteer and program coordinator. Thank you very much for all you've done for us. All right, our next speaker is uh, our superintendent of uh, our Queen Anne's County Public Schools, Dr. Patty Salins. Good evening, commissioners, how are you? Um, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Patty Salins, as you said, I live on Hemsley Drive in Queenstown. And I wanna come back tonight. Last night I really focused on above maintenance of effort and the dynamics that we have with the blueprint. But tonight I really wanna focus on our capital projects. Our schools are our community and so making sure that we don't defer maintenance, it's really important. So doing things like the pavement, um, roofing and things like that, it, it helps us to keep our facilities in a condition that not only is it conducive for our students and our staff, but it's conducive for our communities to use those facilities as well. And then I'd also like to commend you for working with us to build a new central office. Um, I know that you know, the central office is looked upon as it's only 100 people, but it's 100 people that absolutely make this district better every day. They support our schools and without them, our schools wouldn't be as good as they are. And they deserve to be in a healthy environment that is um, conducive to productivity. And so building a new central office is the right thing to do. I fully support it and I look forward to moving forward and breaking ground soon with you. So thank you for all the support. Thank you. All right, our next speaker is Royce Herman. I'm a short guy. What can I tell you? 
Most of you guys know me. Um, my name is Roy Sherman, and I live here in Centerville. And I am an economist, so I tend to look at things from an analytical standpoint. I want to thank you for holding on on the, the tax rate. Um, looking at it below the surface, however, the amount of money we're going to be paying each month on our properties is going to increase. So it's kind of a misnomer when you, when you get into the nuts and bolts of it, okay? Um, what this county needs is more business. I, think, I don't think any of you will disagree with that one. Um, and we've got we to focus on that over the next few years. And um, especially hospitality took a hard hit during COVID and it is in horrible shape at the moment. And we, we, we've lost some key people and we need to build that back up. And there's a, f a lot of ways of doing it. And as you probably know already, I'm trying to get back on the Economic Development Commission so I can help out with this. And, um, but that's gonna be my focus for the next three or four years if I have to do it by myself or with the help of uh, Heather and her group. So um, anyhow, uh, I'm happy with the fact that you held the line on the, on the tax rate. That is definitely a, a plus in this economy, which is horrible at the moment. And I don't think anybody will argue with that one. And, uh, but it's gonna get better. All we gotta do is, well, I'm not gonna go into the politics of it, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a tough job. And I know you guys worked hard on it. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, our next speaker is Cecilia Mitchell. Good evening. I printed my name tonight so you could read it. <laughs> um, good evening. I'm Cecilia Mitchell, acting president of the Queen Anne's County Education Association. With me tonight is a member of our executive committee, Stephanie Anthony, who serves as the secretary of our association. Again, this evening we are here to recognize your work to develop our county's budget and increasing funding to our schools, as well as the efforts of our superintendent, Dr. Salins, to make sure that we have a system where people want to work, where it's a great place to work physically and in terms of the, your professional development. We're here tonight as advocates for full funding of our public schools to benefit our students and the many professionals who comprise our school system. Again, attracting and retaining school employees is dependent on setting budget priorities as you have that strengthen the system overall. Your work to enhance funding to our schools is laudable, particularly as just mentioned in the current economics uh, challenges that we face. We look forward to partnering with our community leaders to assure that every student acquires the skills and knowledge they need to live as successful citizens of our community. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Okay, and the, uh, the last individual that signed up is uh, Janet Salazar. Good evening.
evening, Commissioners. I'm Janet Salazar, the Director of the Queen Anne's County Public Library. I live at 420 Timberlane in Graysonville, Maryland. Woohoo! <laughs> um, and I'm here tonight mostly to thank you for the increase to the library's budget. It was a big increase. We appreciate it. And I appreciate the vision that you all are putting forth for our county and recognizing that the library is a big part of that vision. So thank you. But I would also like to ask for you to reconsider supporting our full-time program volunteer coordinator. So far this year, the library has increased the number of programs we provide by 13%. We haven't even gotten to summer reading yet. So we do a lot of programming. We've also increased the number of outreach events that we go to by 73%. Having someone to coordinate not only those programs, but also all of the volunteers who would like to help us with the programs and events is crucial to our ever-changing operations in the library. This position would allow us to incorporate the many community volunteers of all ages who have expressed interest in helping us. I do appreciate your continued support and investment in our community and our library. These funding requests will allow us to continue to provide high quality services and programs to our residents and enhance the quality of life in Queen Anne's County. So thank you for your consideration. Have a good evening. Thank you. All right, that's all we had that signed up. Is there anybody else that would like to uh, comment? Okay. Come on up. Hi. I'm just a local resident of Trish O'Brien. And as I was reading the letter that I got in mail, can you just explain to me the 30% increase for the county commissioners? I can't hear. I didn't. Can you hear. step up to the mic just a little bit? I didn't Excuse hear. Me. I didn't hear you. So Can you explain the? It looks like the percentage change from this year to next, the thirty percent increase. What yep. that covers? I certainly can if you want to entertain questions. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand it. Yeah, um, we we transferred a position. If you see on that same sheet, there's a there's a, a significant decrease in the community affairs group. So we did. We're, we're doing some succession planning with various staff members and positions, so we moved a position from one division to the county commissioner's office. So that's the, that's the reason for that big change there. And you can see the corresponding decrease in the, uh, on that same sheet. Yeah. And I so appreciate that. That was, that was just a movement of, uh, of personnel from one group to another. As I want to become more integral in the county, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get, I guess, get to a point where I can ask some questions, maybe. I appreciate Certainly. it. Sure. Thanks. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nope. Yep. Okay. All right, this email comes from Allison Wood. Good evening, commissioners, and thank you for your time. My name is Allison Wood. I am the current program and marketing coordinator for the Queens County Library System. In this role, I am responsible for all PR, communications, marketing, graphic design, web development, and social media for the library. I am also coordinating all of our programming, volunteer, and outreach efforts to the best of my ability. As the library has grown and with the expansion and renovation of the Kent Island branch, as well as a new mobile library beginning its routes in the community, it has become apparent that there is a need to have a second person in this department. In FY22, we provided 476 programs with 11,140 attendees through our programmed calendar of events. For FY23, we already have provided 540 programs and we haven't even started our largest event, the summer reading yet. Our outreach efforts have almost doubled with the QACL being present or partnering in 26 outreach events this year compared to 15 in FY22. 
The new role of program and volunteer coordinator will allow us to continue to grow access to literacy in Queens County, as well as expand our partnership and volunteer opportunities. We would like to expand our Guys Read program, providing male volunteer readers to fourth grade male students in all schools in Queens County. We would like to relaunch our Storytime on Wheels program, providing Storytime volunteers in daycare settings throughout our community and offering much needed early literacy skills to children in home or public daycare settings. Teens in our county need activities to do, and we have heard from many of them that Teen Advisory Committee, allowing teens to volunteer with and through the library for new teen initiatives would be an incredible asset to our community. We have the resources and materials to implement all these initiatives. Now we need the staff, man, uh, staff member to manage them. Please reconsider funding this crucial position that will allow the great work at QACL to be, I'm sorry, to allow great work the QACL is doing to be expanded upon. Thank you for your time. That's all for <laughs> digital three. Is there anybody else who wants to speak? That's it? No? Okay. Is there anybody else that wishes to uh, make any comments this evening? All right. All right. Being none. Any commissioners have any comments? Yeah, I guess I'd like to speak since Dr. Sales is kind of changing her topic every night. I'm going to jump in on the, uh, well, just on the future budgets, uh, the challenges. To, to Royce's point, you know, holding the line on the taxes, it, that's important to me, and I think it's important to all the commissioners up here. We'd honestly like to lower them. Um, but we're facing some uphill challenges with the future funding of education based on the new state law um, to where, to the point where we are going to have to basically in our minds set aside roughly $13 million of, that's not there now for the next three years to 2027 until hopefully, and this is the word, hopefully, the state money we're being promised kicks in. If it doesn't, it's going to be a lot more dire than $13 million, just so everybody in the public is aware of that. There, there are some challenges coming in the education funding system that is going to uh, put a strain on how we're able to budget. And right now, that's kind of where we got out ahead of it this year. You might see that we funded it over what we had to, but there was a reason, because there is a funding cycle. And anybody that budgets in their home, you don't want to have that one big hit that cripples you. So you're kind of, we're kind of looking out ahead right now to try and get ahead of it so that it's more of a smooth, flat curve versus something where we go off a cliff. So just as you see that, and you're going to hear a lot of conversations over the next year, uh, three years, because 2020 or 2027 is when the big year is in terms of the blueprint funding. So that's all I wanted to add. Anybody else? Very well. Thank you for coming. Appreciate the input. And I'll make and a motion to adjourn. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 There we go.